have tuned into the Why Arts Podcast. On this episode, Dylan Hyman tackles both the visual and audio side of life when it comes to creating. In their past, they have produced Keith Haring-inspired black and white digital postcards, focusing on bringing light into the darkness of their work. As a musician, they collaborate with Spencer Newcomb, forming duo TV. They talk about their journey with their art, finding their avenues in life, and nostalgic creations. host and local creative Jasmine Volante. Today on the Why Arts Podcast, we have Dylan Hyman. Welcome, welcome. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Now, Dylan, introduce yourself and what kind of multidisciplinary art you like to do. Sure. So um, I go by a lot of pseudonyms. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like uh, it's a practice from like the early internet age that, uh, that not too many people carry on. Now, I feel like a lot of people just uh, have a one-to-one of themselves online, mm-hmm. you know? In in a way, I do, but in a lot of other ways, I don't. You know, I'm just not comfortable, you know, being one-to-one, yeah. you know, online. Why but, is um, that? I don't know. I, it's just, it's something that I've always done and maybe I've just never grown out of, mm-hmm. you know? It's uh it's a it's a barrier between the real you mm-hmm. and the artistic you in a way. I like you that. Know? And, and, you know, it it helps. It helps kind of separate things because I do so many different things, Mm -hmm. you know. But, um, yeah, I mean, my my art and photography account, Alan underscore Brown underscore, I like to post kind of like the visual side of things Mm -hmm. um, of my artistic eye. Um, The main aspect... Or I guess the uh, the reason I created that account in the in, in the first place was for um, just kind of little digital art experiments that I was doing in college, and then it eventually morphed into illustrations, and um, I got into a uh, a real love of postcards. Yes, I love postcards. Yes. I love postcards. Yes. I love mailing them. I love that whole thing. So go on. Go yeah, on. yeah. No, it's okay. I, I I really appreciated the idea of sending a physical piece of mail mm-hmm. to somebody through this ever disastrous, uh, you know, postal system that we have. Yes, <laughs> just something yes. that continues to to surprise us with their failures, and somehow they continue to exist. But, you know, we couldn't survive without them. No, not at all. But uh, I got incredibly fascinated with postcards, and I created this this series of postcards. Um, and I would do a postcard every day for the longest time. I think I did that for a year and a half, two years. And it wasn't necessarily every day, but, like, it was a conscious effort to mm-hmm. put out a new postcard of an art piece of mine every day. I was heavily influenced by Keith Haring's subway drawings, if you're yes, familiar. I am familiar. Black and white, it's just classic. It is as classic as classic can be, you know? And um, that kind of carried my uh, my visual arts for a while. And then, you know, just over time, priorities change, and I started to kind of use it as a photography account. I love 
uh, digital cameras from the 90s and 2000s, they are so perfectly Yiddish. <laughs> right? They are. Because, like, the memory, the actual memory of the camera is just so small yeah. just because of the time that it was in, yeah. that the photos, they are just like this beautiful transition from film to the digital cameras that we have in our pockets now. And um, I found this old uh, Sony Mavica camera that used floppy disks at a yard sale. And uh, ever since then, you know, it's become my my second love in terms of like visual art. You know, illustration and drawing is my first mm-hmm. love. And then this photography. And you checked out like some of the photos that I was taking? Yeah, I did. I They're, did. They're fun. They're <laughs> see, I don't know. <laughs> I like. I like that. It's kind of like a. It's what you see. And yes. Some yes. things, you know, I've worked with other photographers that do cool Photoshop things, or photographers that just put like a regular preset filter. I like the you see things. It's it's perfectly nothing. <laughs> a lot of my photos are perfectly nothing. But that's you know? the, the beauty of it. Yes. Where you have something that you call perfectly nothing. But as an artist, you see different things in different lights. Yeah. And, you know, is it, that truly is the beauty of art. Is that everybody sees things in a different way. And that how I see my photos is perfectly nothing. A lot of people have told me that there's so much detail and richness to the things that I'm capturing on my camera. And to me, I'm saying, wow, like, you know, I saw this concrete building Mm -hmm. and it wasn't finished. I'm like, I want to take a picture of that because it is so just nothing to me. But some people see it and they're like, no, that's like a whole story. And it it is. I, I love that about art. That's the, uh, the one thing that continues to uh, drive my my um, pursuit of like of new art is just how everybody sees things differently, mm-hmm. you know, and everybody takes things differently and everybody expresses it differently. Um, and it's nice. It's nice to to share something. But you know, social media is great for all these you know, things. Uh, And it's great to share something and kind of just gather everybody around this central thing and see what everybody says. It creates a lot of conversation in a nice way. But that's kind of the visual side of things um, in a nutshell. In terms of audio, uh, I go by TV with a Mm -hmm. period for legal reasons. And that is a two-piece shoegaze uh dream pop okay kind of project um it was a solo project for a very long time um last year it was i believe yeah last year um met a drummer over reddit uh (laughs) spencer he is a beautiful human being an absolute just sultan on the drums uh and it's now transformed into this two-piece outfit, and we just move air. We move air. You know what I mean? Like, that's my goal, is you come to one of our shows, and, like, you can feel the sound just completely envelop your body, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah, I mean, we play around Frederick. Um, we have a show coming up in Baltimore. 
Um, we have a show coming up in Urbana at the Sloan School of Music. But it's it's funny, uh, that audio side of my art also comes up in the work that I do at Old Mother. I help run shows there and oh, kind of, cool. yeah, and and provide a space for local musicians and kind of artists to gather and just same thing, just experience the sound run through your body. I love running my shows loud to the dismay of all the people that just went there to get a beer or a burger. No, you should definitely. <laughs> the music's supposed to be there. Yes. I feel like it makes all the difference to the audience and the one performing. Yeah, well, in the reason why that um, that activity is so important to me, you know, you know, when I'm not playing music, to support music, especially in the place where we all live, mm-hmm. is super important, especially when you think, there's not really too many places to see local, unique music. There's places where you can see Dave Matthews band cover bands. You can mm-hmm. go see people do more cover songs of classic rock. You can see people play Americana, but there's just not too many pl- places to see just like this underground alternative music. I agree. You know? I agree. Well, in our area, most our, definitely. Well, exactly. Because yeah. in Baltimore, D.C., that's not a problem. Mm-hmm. But we don't live there. We live in the middle. Yeah. You know. Um, but yeah, that's kind of like the audio side of things. Uh, what part of your crafts would you like to get better at at either the visual or the audio part? Yeah. I mean, you know, recently we, me and my partner just moved out to a, uh, a farm a little bit outside of the city. Congrats. Thank you. It's, it's truly an oasis. Uh, we're very lucky to have that house. We're, we're renting, but still, you know, it's, it's been a big upgrade for us, um, in terms of just our lives, our relationship, Mm -hmm. everything. Um, but you know, the past couple of months I've had to put things on hold as we kind of, uh, play house for a little bit, yeah. you know, um, in terms of stuff that I'd like to get better at, I mean, I, I always, I always want to, you know, find that, that the, the outer circle of comfortability, mm-hmm. you know, of comfort and be like, okay, I'm here. This is where I'm comfortable. Let's get the hell out of here. Yeah. You know, just step forward out of it. Not even step forward. Forward is just like, one direction. I mean, just in any, it could be, you know, any dimension, just out of that comfort. Mm-hmm. That's where you can truly find some new sounds, some new visuals, some new ways of thinking about yourself. You know, um, we recently in terms of TV and music, we, um, we recorded straight to tape mm-hmm. for our latest release with, uh, the analog wizard simply known as JK. What was that like? I mean, you know, I've, I've worked with analog media in the past, um, to mix results. Um, part of our sound is a very nostalgic sound, and of course, well, what's the best way to do that? Use older equipment, you know? Um, I think the practice of using this analog equipment with JK as we recorded these two songs, um, 
and it's on Spotify, other streaming services. Uh, if you look up Held Together, that's all it's called. Um, but it really put us in a mood. What and do you I, mean? It, well, you're using this this archaic format. Mm-hmm. We could plug everything in and just record digitally on the computer, and we could go back and splice so much easier and be like, ah, I didn't like that part of the song. Let's change it real quick. Mm-hmm. But with this tape you know, format that we chose to do more so for the love of the, the practice. And also because we're, you know, like nostalgic idiots at times Mm -hmm. (laughs) who isn't, but, um, we practiced our fucking asses off. We practiced so hard to just nail down everything. Every section was the best that it could be. Every transition was the best that it could be. We questioned ourselves multiple times. We would do these demo recordings and listen and be like, it does that work? Um, just because we knew when we get to the studio, you get one take. Yeah. Not necessarily, you know, you can splice tape, but it's like, no, we didn't want to do that. Just wanted to start, wanted to finish. That takes a lot of time. A yeah. lot of time. Yeah. I've tried recording my own music uh, digitally, and that I have the easy access of being, oh, I don't like it. It's I awesome. And don't get yeah. me wrong, it's awesome. I love working digitally. But, but everything has a different mood, everything <laughs> exactly, has a different yeah. space that you work in. And, um, you know, why not challenge yourself a little bit, you know? I like that. How did you find your sound? Oh, my. Uh, By routinely fucking up. (laughs) By routinely just disappointing myself. Yeah? Yeah. In in what way? What do you mean? mean? It parallels kind of just, you know, the human development. You know, when you're, um, you know, you're growing up. Mm-hmm. And everybody's growing up. You even when you're 80 years old, you're still growing up. Yeah, to a degree. But you know, the songs that I recorded when I first taught myself guitar mm-hmm. are completely different than a song that I would write now, or a way that I would even think about writing a song. Same applies to my, you know, artistic or visually, you know, artistic side of my practice. It's the way I think about things now, I would never, ever dream, you know, 10 years ago that I would mm-hmm. think that way. But that's just part of being a human being and, and continually morphing, you know. But um, I love music. That's that's something that has always stood true in my life is I love music. And just listening to new things trying new things I, you know i didn't even discover shoegaze which mm-hmm. is it's an umbrella term in a lot of yeah. ways um i didn't even discover that honestly until college and then from there it was just an explosion it's like i gotta dig in where did these people come from why you know why do they sound the way they do um you know growing up my mom always had 80s music on yeah which I do feel plays into shoegaze, you know, of, you know, shoegaze originated in the UK. A lot of the bands that I would listen to, like Cure or Duran Duran or even Toto, I mean, like David Bowie, you know, those are all people that in a way have a direct impact on shoegaze, 
you know. Um, it, it, you know, when I said constantly and routinely fucking up, it's just like going out every time I would play a show, you know, because when you practice in your room or you practice to yourself, it sounds different. Yes. Yes, it does. Right. So when you go to a show and then you're like, okay, did that sound like I wanted it to sound in my head? A lot of times it was no, you know, but then just constantly evolving and trying new things or, or even just like, you know, taking a break for a little bit, you know, right now, I wouldn't even say that I'm listening to that much shoegaze right now, you know, um, but it's nice. It's nice to explore new things. It's nice to, to let things sit and mm-hmm. kind of um, just kind of melt in your brain for a little bit and yeah. then reform. It's nice. You know, you come up with these truly unique ideas. I feel you. I feel like some artists don't give themselves that time or that bravery to mess up right. and do those things. And they have to be perfect because someone else is already like on their stage 103 when we're on stage three. Sure. And I feel you when you say that it's just like a constant evolvement of what you're doing Mm -hmm. and reflections of like what your work has been and what it could be, what it could sound like, what it could look like. Well, and you also have to have an open ear and an open heart Mm -hmm. to all this stuff. There's a lot of times I'll get recommendations and I don't really feel like listening to them. But I do, and in a way that always has an impact on how I think about things. You know, I don't think I would have ever, ever gotten into metal music yeah. or or just heavier music if it weren't for my partner, Kayla. Uh, that's just not a branch of music that I ever thought about. And then, you know, she's a metalhead. Mm-hmm. She's a punk rocker. And... Um, it truly opened me to a completely different branch of music. And I, it's definitely carried into how I think about songs. In what ways? In, she's a huge Deftones fan. Yeah. <laughs> she's a huge Typo Negative fan. She's a huge Mastodon fan. And I guess in particular... You know, I listen to Deftones with her, you know, typo negative. Like, I'm like, hell yeah, this is where it's at. A lot of the times, what I hear in those those periods and genres of music that I apply now, it's almost not even the musical language that I carry across. It's almost like a, a presence that I carry across mm-hmm. um, in terms of like stage presence. You know, I, I, if, if somebody came up to me and said, yeah, you sound like typo negative, I'd be like, what are you smoking? You know, because I don't, I really don't. But it's a presence on stage, and I think it's a, a, a story that you're telling. You know, I don't think I was ever really good at telling a story through my stage presence and kind of like my songs. They just kind of felt like individual bites. Okay. With no connection in between. And... This isn't really something unique to metal music, but in terms of like Deftones, like we saw Deftones at the Anthem um, last year, and the presence on stage was just so 
just, I can't even describe it. Just so powerful, you know? And it was like, I gotta do that, you know? Like incorporate the stage presence onto what you're doing? And just like everything, just like how does a musician carry themselves on stage? Like a professional musician. How does um, a professional anything carry themselves, you know? And uh, I think another example is we saw Mastodon at Pier 6 in Baltimore. And like same thing. They were just like so into it. And they Mm -hmm. were just like this. That was their life. That was their life energy pouring out of them. And I'll never forget that, you know. How could you? You can't. You really can't. It's just something that you always remember. And maybe not even like remember, but always that feeling that you remember. You know, you don't, maybe not the experience itself. Yeah. I'll change that. Maybe not like the visual representation of that, but definitely like that feeling of leaving that concert and be like, damn, you know? <laughs> I feel that. I think it just depends on the certain people that are playing. I could understand stage presence in itself as a whole energy oh, yeah. well, feel. Well, especially because like, you know, you know, concerts growing up for me, um, like even when I saw like Foo Fighters at RFK Stadium or I saw Mac DeMarco at, you know, uh, I think it was called Lincoln Theater in uh, Asheville. It was supposed to be at the Orange Peel. It got moved. But anyways, I never left those concerts, even the Foo Fighters. I never left those concerts being like, damn, you know. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, I started going to like these more metal, these darker concerts with my partner. And I'm like, wow, you know, every time. It's just something I hadn't felt before. Yeah, I think there's there's a certain energy. Sure, sure. Within that, not just like from the presence. I think it's also from the crowd too. Oh my god! I mean, oh my god! I can't even begin to talk about the crowd. <laughs> yeah. I know we've talked about different inspirations about your art from Keith Harrington, or I think we're okay. From Keith Harrington to. Um, Toto, Duran Duran, Cure. What other inspirations do you find nowadays for your art? Oh, sure. Um, definitely in terms of uh, like the visual side of things. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, Keith Haring's subway drawings. No, oh, Keith Haring's. My yeah, bad. all good. Keith Haring's subway drawings I just I, are timeless to me. Um, in terms of like the way that he did them, they were graffiti and people would have ripped them off the wall to have their own, which is hilarious to me, but like they're timeless. The, how you can tell an, an entire story, how you can create an entire mood, just using two colors and lines. Like there were no gradients, right? There were no other colors. It was just black and white, mm-hmm. you know? And it was funny cause it was always white on black. It wasn't the opposite. It wasn't black on white. And, um, Somebody told me when they first started, you know, kind of, uh, I was sharing these postcards with somebody and they said, it's funny that you do the white on black. And I go, why? They go, well, you're adding light to darkness. Mm-hmm. Where with black on white, it's darkness on light. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, and obviously you can take that, you know, a thousand different ways. But I thought about, I'm like, so it's like I'm creating light in this ether in a way, you know, and that's what... I saw in Keith Haring's, you know, subway drawings. Even if I didn't put that together, yeah, I, I understood that. that. Yeah. Um, in terms of photography, I mean, 
I love when people take pictures of abandoned things. I I mean, like, I know abandoned malls are a huge thing. Mm-hmm. Especially nowadays. Right. You know, just like taking pictures or capturing scenes of these liminal spaces of places that used don't, to have life. And they don't exist in reality in a way, mm-hmm. you know, like... I remember a, a little photo series that I did. My uh, my parents were renovating a house. And I asked my dad if I could take pictures of it while he gutted it. Mm-hmm. You know, he gutted the entire house. I'm like, can I take pictures of it? He's like, yeah, I don't care. So I go over, I'm taking pictures of this house. They used to have people in it, families in it. And now it's just like, literally gutted it's the pure skeleton you know and taking and i took those pictures in black and white for a reason it's just like these are like just pictures out of time you know like outside the the space of time um yeah i love the idea of liminality you know of these places that are just like surreal and kind of they they make you feel fuzzy, like like you're still in a dream. I love that. Same thing carries over to my music. I love music that that feels like um, it's its own space. It's mm. its own dimension. Um, there's this one Cocteau Twins uh, album, uh, and. It's, it's black and white. I know albums more so by the visual aspect of them than the names, but there's this one album that they have, and it's just like, it just it's different than all their other albums, I feel like. It just puts you in a different space. Um, I mean, even like uh, this uh, Cure has this one album called Pornography, and they created that album in just like the darkest emotional valley of their lives, uh, particularly Robert Smith. And you just hear that and you feel that in the album. It's just their darkest album. Not dark in terms of like, like the music itself. Like obviously it's very gothic. It's very Cure, right? Gotcha, but yeah. like. I don't listen to that album and immediately get depressed. Like I just listen to that album and I chill out and I just like get in a mood, you know, um, it's different for everybody, you know, I know, but you know, in terms of stuff now, like Uber recently, Uber, Uber recently, I mean, like, what was I listening to today? I think I listened to like yellow magic orchestra. Um, I listen, there's this one band that I'm just the biggest fan of, King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. <laughs> I love yeah. that name. I've heard of them. I've never actually, I actually, no, I'll take that back. I think I've listened to a few sure, songs here sure. and there. But every time that someone brings it up, I'm just like, man, mm-hmm. that that's such a wicked name. It is. It's a wicked, <laughs> wicked name. They uh, Their their most recent album is a thrash metal album, Petrodragonic Apocalypse. Apocalypse. And like, I was listening to that today. Um, that's that, that's kind of a good summary of what I'm listening to recently. Mm-hmm. Kind of a good mix of it. I'm a very eclectic listener, you know, 
I'll listen to what I can get my hands on. Yeah, I mean, you know? like what you've mentioned, it seems like you live your life with an open heart and an open mind and open ear. So, to a certain degree, I am also <laughs> I am as guilty as everybody else because, like, there are certain things that I cannot listen to. Yeah, you know, I I am not an Americana or a folk person. I just I I have tried. I will always continue to try. Mm-hmm. It just never resonates with me. You know, it just just never has. You know, very specific examples. (laughs) As an artist, we face different challenges in our lives. What's one challenge you have recently faced and how did you move? I won't say forward because that's just one direction, like you said, but like onward. Sure. I mean, there's an example that that my drummer Spencer and I talk about very frequently. Uh, We were playing a show at a distillery downtown and going into that show we're like okay we have to cater this to the people at a distillery like i mentioned when we play music we move air Mm -hmm. you know i play out of not only a guitar amp but a bass amp Mm -hmm. and when i can another guitar amp like three amps i've even played out of four amps in the past my drummer has an amp that he plays to there because he has like a little <laughs> sample pad. I mean, we are the band with more amps than the members. And, um, you know, we have this distillery gig, you know. We're like, okay, well, how do we cater it to the people there? Mm-hmm. And we just practice playing our songs as quietly as possible. Literally the juxtaposition to everything we had worked on for how many months as a new band. Because, you know. Flip it. Exactly. Literally the polar opposite. Opposite. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that was definitely a challenge of how do we take something that we've now found comfort in and just turn it on its head, you know? Um, that's a very specific example in terms of my music. I mean, um, another example for my, you know, our music is we went and we had a direct-to-vinyl session in Brooklyn, New York, at this place called Least of All Studios. Mm -hmm. Still a very surreal experience for us that we did that. Um, But the nature of the vinyl that we recorded to is a 45. Mm -hmm. We had five minutes of material per side. I don't know if you know... I don't think we have one song that is less than five minutes. <laughs> so <laughs> we had to completely reinvent every song to fit under five minutes. And same thing, like I was talking about previously with uh, the tape session, is we had to like, we had to record demos and be like, okay, we got to play these songs fast now. We're going to have to cut parts of songs mm-hmm. to make things work. And, you know, similar to that distillery gig, we had to put everything that we knew and just put it on its head. Just be like, nope, everything we know is no longer, mm-hmm. you know, and that was a whole experience. I mean, we, we were fighting for every second of our recording time, you know, and those, those renditions of our songs are some of the coolest, unique renditions that we have now, you know? I like that. I like how you changed it up and worked with it rather than against it. I, mean, I you can't really work against well, it. You I, had certain I, limitations to what you had. I uh, 
I had a physics professor in high school that said, Dylan, you, you like to fry in your own oil. It's very true. I am somebody, I'm a very stubborn person mm-hmm. and I will fight back as much as I can against something until, <laughs> until eventually I just have to give up. But stuff like that, it's like, no, you got a 45, you got five minutes, mm-hmm. let's go. Clock in, clock out, you know? Yeah. That's a wicked experience. It was, especially cause like, I'm not one for cities. Cities aren't my place, yeah. you know? Um, so being in Brooklyn you know, and being there was already, um, difficult as it was for me, but yeah, we made it work and it was a beautiful experience. I I would never trade that for anything else. It was a, it was a, something that I'll remember for the rest of my life. How do you balance your music life and your visual art life? Oh yeah, I don't (laughs) No, There was a time, there was a time where I, I tried, I tried, um, and you can't, you can't it's it's especially now that i'm in a very deeply committed relationship with somebody and we have a dog together and um i'm doing the nine to five grind to pay Mm -hmm. for you know my time outside of work in a way you know my my job pays for me to pursue my art and it is what it is that's just the reality of my life um But for a good number of years, I tried to do everything. I tried to do postcards, mm-hmm. visual art. I tried to do digital art. I tried to do uh, music as well, you know. And it's just, it was too much. It was too much. And, and you know, when you're the, you know, the jack of all trades, you are truly the master of none, mm-hmm. you know. I always like to say, but it's better than a master of one, just because right. I am a jack of all trades right. for sure. Right. I also like to say, jazz of all trades. <laughs> no, I but love yeah. that. Love that. Because um, I I get into bits where instead of like focusing on like the visual side, I get tired of the visual side, burnout. Then I move on the to the audio side. Mm-hmm. Then it's like a big back and forth. It is, and you know. I'm I'm very lucky that each plays into one another in some weird way mm-hmm. at times. Um, I'll have ideas visually that don't necessarily work out, but then somehow I'm able to rework it into a song or just some musical idea. Um, yeah, I I I just I'm not one to that that has ever worked out for. It's just not me, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Right now in my life, it is very much, you know, obviously, you know, we're still moving into our house, but uh, it's very much I'm in the music state of mind right now. I feel like um, the music that that I am creating and, and participating in with my drummer, Spencer, uh, is is of the highest importance, mm-hmm. you know. I always, So I, I briefly mentioned it, but... Um, you know, both of us run sound at Old Mother. Mm. I also record the shows when I'm, you know, running sound. And that's just like another aspect. It's like, it's it's hard to juggle, but it's also equally as important, you know, in terms of like my dedication to the musical side of my art practice. And, you know, recording these bands, making it, you know, and it's a live recording yeah. in a gigantic 
cement room with gigantic, you know, uh, beer fermenters. Yeah, I've seen right? I've seen the space before. I've been there for a couple of concerts. Yeah, I I have to fight to get yeah. a good sound, but it's fun. It's fun, and that is. Just I don't like, know how you do it in that room. Um, <laughs> yeah, the the joke is that you scoop the mids, which is like in terms of the frequency. Mm-hmm. You scoop all the middles out, so it's just the bass and treble. It's a joke, but funny enough, that's what you do for the room. That's what you have to do for the room, you know? So it, it makes me laugh. It makes me laugh. That's awesome. And I know you mentioned a few events, but do you mind reminding us about what's coming up? Yeah, of course. Um, so the last weekend of September, there's a Friday and Saturday in particular, back-to-back. Um, I will be playing a solo show at the crown in baltimore which i have played at in the past and i'm looking to redeem myself the show wasn't exactly what i wanted it to be last time Mm -hmm. i'm going there now with a new toolkit and a new new um kind of mentality that i'm looking forward to trying out you know like i said i started out as a solo act um and i've always had to do everything myself you know, for my Mm -hmm. music. So I'm looking forward to doing that again. I don't get the chance that often to play solo anymore. And frankly, I don't want to. I think having a drummer greatly benefits, you know, the TV project. Um, But then the following day, a Saturday, we are playing at the Sloan School of Music. And we are playing with two just absolutely ripping bands, Gatwick, and Timberwolves, both of which I've run sound for in the past. Solid. Yeah, so we're looking forward to that. It's it's um it's nice to have another space. I know it's not Frederick, but Urbana's just down, you know, just down the highway. It's nice to have that option as a place for alternative music. Mm-hmm. Um, they got their shit together. You know, they are doing a cool thing down there, and Heck we're excited yeah. to be a part of that. And how can people find you and stay up to date? Sure. Well, if you are oh so inclined to stay up to date with the nonsense that comes out of my mouth, um, I I post on Instagram under Alan underscore Brown underscore, which is a nod to the finest Food Network chef that there ever was, <laughs> Alton Brown. I love that guy. He's 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 great. I, I love. I love the way that he he takes his cinema background into cooking. Not a lot of people know that he directed a few music videos and like was going to be a filmographer. Like that's cool. And now he's like a celebrity chef. But um you know, and on Instagram for music it's experience TV, as simple as can be. You can find me on streaming services, Spotify, Apple. Any other weird ones that might exist? Title. I don't know if people still use title. I don't use title. No, I know people use Bandcamp nowadays, too. Yeah, I'm on Bandcamp. Yeah. Um, Bandcamp is where I post a lot of the stuff that I don't deem worthy for streaming services. I would say uh, if you want the true kind of experience of my persona, highly recommend my website, browntown.me. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's B R O W N E. T-O-W-N-E dot me. Uh, get brown-towned. 
uh, that is the true essence of everything that I stand for. Sweet. Yeah. Thanks, Dylan, for coming on by. I, I sincerely appreciate the uh, the opportunity. It's always nice. I mean, like, yeah. everybody loves talking about their passion projects, you know? And that's what we're here for. Exactly. And it's, it's a good thing you're doing for the community. I feel like, um, as a growing city, to have these times and spaces we're for those listening we're sitting in like this magnificent studio these beautiful microphones and instruments you know hung up on the wall it's soundproofed which is nice but um to have this is really cool you know it's uh it's a small group but it's good to uh i guess have the venn diagram overlap a little bit more yes you know (laughs) but yeah i appreciate you having me on thank you it's been a pleasure talking to you dylan yeah talk soon From digital postcards to open story pictorials and the passion of moving air, Dylan Hyman takes their life and expresses that any way they can. We are thankful for Dylan to reach out to us and being on the show. If you're an artist or have a gallery event, music concert, or creative event you want the Why Arts podcast to cover, feel free to email us at recordingstudio at frederickymca.org. We invite you to follow the Why Arts podcast to continue supporting Frederick's local artists. Your support allows them and us to continue creating amazing work. Thank you for listening to the Why Arts Podcast. I'm your host, Jasmine Volante. Shout out to the wizard of a producer, Robin Smith, and the amazing director, Anthony Brock. Also, the Why Arts Center for providing us with this platform. Take care and peace.